there, listeners. This is the Spotlight on Grace podcast, where we're focusing on what's happening at Grace Church and how God's grace is making a difference in our lives. I'm your host, Burr Bolton, and Tanya Marks is co-hosting with me today. I'm here. And we're here for another testimony. We are. It's going to be awesome. Yep. This is my favorite part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we just do these from now on? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> We'd have to have people that actually want to come in and do this, though. We'll keep, hey, I'll keep drafting them. There we go. That's yeah. what it can be. They've been Tanya'd. They got they, suckered they, into yeah. doing something. Yes. But I do love these, and these are so special to me. I feel so honored to get and sit and listen mm-hmm. um, to these stories and how God's shaping other people's lives and how he draws them to him. So, um, But today, we have Johnny Jaggers here. Hello. And he's going to give his testimony a little bit of what's how God's been good to him in his life. Um, but Johnny, let's start out first. Tell us how long you've been at Grace Church and a little bit about your family. I originally started in 1997. Okay. So you're actually the year I got saved. Yeah, here at Grace Church. Yes. Okay, that's Well, awesome. actually, this is where I came to the altar. So okay. I actually, okay. I got saved in a trailer in Kingston, Georgia in okay. March 1997. Okay, okay. But we this need is, to hear more about that. Yeah, we, we will in just a minute. And tell us a little bit about your family. Like, who who's in your family? Okay, I'm married and met her here at Grace Church to, used to be Dottie Jones, but now she's Dottie, Dorothy Jaggers, Dottie, as everybody knows yeah, her. Yeah, And uh, she has, uh, has had three children. She's got... Candace, which is her daughter, and Brett, which is her youngest son, and she mm-hmm. had her older son, Shane, who passed away in 2011. Yep, yep. we know and love Dottie and all of her family yeah, very well. the green so, girls. Yep, and- awesome. All right, well, let's dive right in. You started talking about it a little bit when you first came to know and love the Lord, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, as I mentioned, uh, actually gave my life to the Lord, or the Lord saved me in, in Georgia in 1997, but the process started... Now I can look back, as I was talking earlier, I can look back and see how God worked. But it was mm-hmm. uh, about 10 years prior to that. I, I was raised in a Methodist church, a great family, good mom and dad, brother and sister, and um, just on a farm, just really had a magical-type childhood. Uh, you know, We weren't rich, but we didn't want for anything. But like I say, I was raised in a Methodist church. Somewhere around 12 or 13, some of my relatives came and told me I needed to be baptized. So um, <laughs> I was baptized at 12 or 13 uh, in that Methodist church. But uh, just to be honest with you, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't yeah. know anything about God. And that's not anybody's fault but my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just the truth of the way it was. So uh, I was in the military in uh, my early 20s and got out of the military shortly after that. First time I'd been in love. I got married, and uh, three years later, uh, my wife decided she didn't want to be married anymore, so uh, I got divorced and uh, didn't know the Lord at all at the time, but it was completely devastating to mm-hmm. me and uh, and set myself on a path to make sure that I would never get hurt by anybody again, and uh, it worked. I hardened myself pretty hard to any type of love at all, mm-hmm. so it uh, pretty much came all about me, uh, what made me happy, and what I wanted to do and had a pretty successful career. I was in the telephone business and traveled, left home around uh, when I was 27, around 1980. And like I say, I got in, went back to school and got in a, the telecom business. And um, <laughs> I wasn't a murderer or wasn't a thief, but I was. I mean, to be honest with you, being that selfish, uh, in thought, word, or deed, there probably wasn't any sin that I didn't commit. Sure. And I, that's just the honest truth about it. Being hard when you harden yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, you can become that way. Not that I 
like I say, was running around being bad to people. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I was home for Christmas sometime in the late 80s, and uh, I always came home for Christmas. And my brother at that time, he was a pastor, pastored some in the Baptist church and was a Sunday school teacher. He had got saved later in life, but years before. And uh, <laughs> I didn't agree with him, but for some reason I respected my brother. Mm-hmm. And here I am telling you about how all I was, and for that Christmas my brother gave me a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, gee, oh. thanks, Rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Rock. That's that's, that's, that's exactly what I said. Oh, and no. I was I was respectful enough and respected him enough not to be ugly or anything. Sure, sure. Uh, but the crazy thing about that, I went back to Colorado and I moved place to place after that. Uh, my job, I got transferred a lot, and uh, I always carried that Bible and I would set it on my coffee table in the living room so people might somehow think I was a good guy. Uh, and it was kind of profound that that happened but um flash forward a few years uh past that it was probably around I'm, i was trying to remember it was around 1993 i was in georgia at the time and i was big into supernatural i was aliens anything ghost related me and my friends we were always searching for what the next real is this going to be true or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, i had this great book about an alien i was got in bed to read one night and i was gonna you know this is it this is the one and uh just to shorten it, uh, I never opened that book. My eyes glanced across the top of that book to the dresser where I'd placed that Bible, and I had no idea this was God speaking to me. But as clear as I could hear anything, he said, there's truth. Mm. And um, it kind of shook me up a little bit. I'm like, well, I, want, I wanted my supernatural, and I was having it, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I kind of shook it off for a second and went to read the book again, and, and eyes glanced over, and, and I heard the Lord's, I know it's the Lord now, but I didn't then, there's truth. So I picked that Bible up, and I spent two weeks reading of the most miserable days of my life. I couldn't understand anything going on in it. And uh, so my brother's birthday was June 8th. This was about two weeks after that. So I made an excuse that I would call him and wish him a happy birthday in hopes that I might share a little bit what had happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I did, and... um, he uh, he shared the complete gospel with me. He told me about Jesus. He told me what some of the things I was reading I had questions about. He prayed for me. You know, we both cried. And, <laughs> and uh, he told me later that after we hung up, he had told his wife, he said, I don't know that John got saved tonight, but I know God did something to him. Mm-hmm. So he invited me to grace, mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't go to Grace. I said, I'm going to go back down to that Methodist church where I had been because my mom and dad still went there. Yeah. And uh, the first Sunday, I was I was fired up pretty good, you know, I thought. And after the service was over, I was talking to the pastor outside, and I told him, I said, Pastor, I think this is what's happened to me, and I'd like to, to go to the altar and be rebaptized. And he looked at me kind of funny, and he said, You think you really need to do that? Weren't you baptized back when you were younger? And the life went out of me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried for a couple of months doing the right thing, struggling, you know, trying to do everything on my own, and uh, slowly started slipping back into the things I did, Uh, which you can imagine as a young single guy, the things I did, a lot of things. And uh, there's one thing that didn't change, that did change for me, though, for the next few months at least. I was feeling really guilty about everything. 
And before that, you didn't feel like the guilt oh, was there. No, yeah, no, you, that, there, there was, <laughs> there was, there was nothing in me that had any guilt in me. I never felt ashamed or anything. And um, that went on for probably six or eight months and a year, and I slipped right back into doing everything I was doing before. And uh, about three years went by from that, and uh, I can't. I was in Atlanta at the time, and I came home every weekend. Mm-hmm. I loved my mama, and this is. As best as I can recall, she was the only person I loved. Even though I had other family, I loved my mother. She was quiet, one of those like you never said a bad word about anybody. And um, I'd come home every weekend. In seven years, it was only two weekends I didn't come home from work, and it was because I had to work. But uh, I had one of those Friday nights I had to work, and it was Saturday morning, and I'd worked most of the night. And I was a manager, so I was cleaning up some paperwork at home. And I called my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I said, I had work last night. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it home tonight or not. And uh, she said, oh, good grief. She said, <laughs> she said, you need to stay and rest. I said, don't worry about coming home this weekend. Just stay and rest for the weekend. I said, well, I'll finish up the paperwork. When I do, I'll, I'll call you back. I'll see how I feel. And about 10 o'clock, I finished up, and I called her again. And uh, I was really tired, and she wouldn't even hear of me coming home. She said, you need to rest. You don't need to be driving. So I said, well, okay. And she said, I love you, and we hung up the phone, and I went to bed. And about two hours after that, I had my phone rang, and it was my sister. And uh, she was basically incoherent. I couldn't understand what she was saying. She was crying so bad. So then uh, my brother grabbed the phone and talked to me, and he told me that uh, they were lifelike mama to Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. that they were pretty sure she had had an aneurysm, and it, it looked like she didn't have any brain activity at Murray County, so they sent her on, so. So I jumped in the truck, and you can imagine how long a drive that was to get to Nashville. And, uh, and it was when I got there, and basically, you know, they had done all the examinations and stuff, and, you know, Mom was brain dead. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing, they said there was nothing they could do. So. so they monitored through the night just to make sure, and we sat there all night. And uh, then uh, the next day, pretty sure it was Sunday. It might have been Saturday. Yeah, it had to be. It probably had to be Sunday since I was there on Saturday. But uh, uh, they had confirmed there was zero activity and that she was on life support. So we made a decision. Daddy made a decision to go ahead and take her off life support. Mm-hmm. So we were in the room when my mom passed away, and uh, you know it was it was just absolutely devastating to me, and uh, I I was pretty much in a daze. Uh, we did the funeral arrangements, had the funeral, and uh, the one thing I rem- the one clear thing I remember about the funeral, my brother introduced me to a lot of people from Grace. Mm-hmm. I remembered Herschel and Faye. Mm-hmm. I don't know who else really because it really kind of I was just walking around in a profound sure. sadness. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know any way to describe it. Maybe even shock. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. It very well could have been. Be so hard. And uh, so I stayed around that week, and uh, then. Uh, the following Monday, I went back to work, and that would have been somewhere around the eighth or ninth. I don't remember the exact day, but it was a Monday, and uh, was back at work. And uh, this is another time my brother. He he's the he's the 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 main influence on how I came to knowing why why I know the Lord mm-hmm. today. So he called during the week. Grace was having a friend day that Sunday, March seventeenth. Was it March 17th, March 18th? I don't remember for sure. But anyway, uh, he invited me to friend day. And at that time, 
It was like, I don't want to go to church, you know. But I remembered the people from Grace, and I do remember how kind they were. That, that was one of the things that stuck out in my mind. So I, I said, yeah, I'll go, because I just kind of wanted to meet some of them and maybe say thank you, because I had a little bit more clarity then to be able to, to talk to them. So I agreed to go, and uh, I went that Sunday to Friend Day. It was in the older sanctuary up next to the road. And uh, I remember talking to a few people. But the, the thing that sticks out most in my mind, sometime during... Uh, that service, I was sitting on the pew, uh, just kind of just sitting there. And for about five minutes, uh, I know now it was the Lord. He, he basically just engulfed me where I wasn't sad. I wasn't worried. I wasn't angry. I wasn't anything other than at peace. For mm. I mean, and, and it was so profound. Uh, I mean, I still remember it clear to this day. But it, it didn't last that long, and then when it was over with, I went back to Atlanta Sunday mm-hmm, night, mm-hmm. you know. And the next night, Monday, I went to bed, and I laid there, and I got to thinking about my mother, and um, I got to thinking about I'd never see her again. And and I don't know any other way to describe it other than God kind of gave me a glimpse of eternity. I can I can see it now looking back. At that moment, I didn't I didn't really understand what was going, what was on. going on. Yeah, but anyway, that it never ends, and that you know I was I was thinking about my mom. I was never going to see my mom again. But <laughs> then I got to thinking about some of the things I'd heard, testimonies been shared from Rock, you know, heaven and hell, and um, I, I I got an understanding of eternity, and I had a panic attack. From the standpoint, I couldn't take a breath. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything other than lay there. It seemed like it went on for an hour. It was probably 10 seconds. But when I could take a breath, I remembered Jesus. And I rolled right out of that bed, got on my knees, and said, Lord, I can't help myself at all here. (laughs) And uh, I remembered the peace I had the week before in the church or the day before in church. And uh, I just, I said, Lord, that's it. I'm my life is yours, uh, and I haven't turned back since. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's. I look back at three things: my brother gave me the Bible, my brother shared with me the gospel, and my brother invited me to grace. Yeah, so it's powerful. Yep, and I, I think it's true. Like when you look back, you can see God's fingerprints all over it. He was chasing <laughs> you the whole yeah. time, yeah. Um, you know. But it takes you looking mm-hmm. back at that to see exactly what He was doing. So that's that's true. You know. For the first few months, I remember Rick Harvey asked me to do a testimony, and I couldn't tell you what I said, but it didn't have anything to do with what I just shared. <laughs> but yeah, looking back, as you get to know, as the Lord matures you, you can see how he was working. So, so he knew, the Lord knew on that day, he took the, the worst thing that could ever happen in my life. He knew that time was coming, so he made me vulnerable enough to that moment to where I'd have a choice to make. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and that was just, I mean, what can you say other than this indescribable grace to to, to bring a man to a point <laughs> to where he's so broken, which I had to be, mm. where I couldn't go anyplace else other than to him. And, yeah. And that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's so good. So good. I know. I almost cried several <laughs> times, but I kept it in. Oh, um, wow. So, Johnny, can you tell us some places in your life where you've seen God's faithfulness through life circumstances or difficulties? 
Yeah, yeah, I can give you a couple right quick. Uh, I said, told you I was in Atlanta. I was there for seven years, and I really did not like one moment of it. Mm-hmm. And I had been trying for seven years to get back home, mm-hmm. to trying to find a job here. And um, th- after I got saved, uh, not too long, a year after that, I was st- I was still in Atlanta. My boss at the time got promoted to a vice president position and asked me to take the director position. And being a new Christian, I knew <laughs> most of the director meetings were in Atlantic City or Las Vegas or whatever. And <laughs> it wasn't the best environment, but, you know, I was, I was lured by the prestige and the extra money and all that. And uh, it came to be Friday, and uh, I was coming home again. And I was coming across Nickajack Bridge, and my uh, boss had said, you've got to give me a decision Monday. And... Uh, Tony Evans was preaching the message on Jesus wiping, washing the disciples' feet, and I got my answer. I didn't have to, because it, it, God said he knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. I didn't have to be anything special. Mm-hmm. So I went back, and I told him no. Within two weeks, I had a guy that I used to work with, a former company, call me and said, we're starting a new company, and we have a position in Nashville, Tennessee. Would you like to take <laughs> it? Uh, so... Markers in my life, that was just a little personal touch uh, that God did for me that I'll never forget. And uh, another huge marker was uh, the death of Dottie's son, Shane. Uh, He came out of the Marines uh, seven years. He'd done two tours of duty. But he came out with PTSD and and addictive to alcohol and drugs. So we struggled through that for years helping him, doing what we could. Uh, and, boy, you know, it was a lot harder on my wife than it was on me being, you know, her son and watching that. But, but we, we kept trying, we kept praying, <laughs> uh, and we didn't give up. Now, it came to a point where we had to, to use tough love. Yeah, um, set boundaries. But, you know, uh, within a few months, he actually gave his life to the Lord. I got to baptize him. And even though he died a few years after that, uh, as much confidence as we can have from God, we know that he's with the Lord. That's good. Mm -hmm. So uh, faithfulness, yeah. And uh, I look back at, when when we were going through that, I look back now and remember, as I said, my brother's faithfulness not to give up on me. Another point back to that, uh, prayer, uh, after I got saved, and met people at Grace and met people he used to do lay witness missions and a bunch of people I met. Mm-hmm. So you're Johnny. Your brother's had us praying for you for years. <laughs> <laughs> so and you're like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a very avid believer in prayer, of being works. able to change a person. It works, absolutely. You mentioned to us before we started recording about the men who taught you to pray. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I was a young Christian. I had come in here to Grace, and they started a men's prayer group. And, uh, boy, I've had some, I use the Hebrews 12, a great cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had some really great men and women. Uh, Men I relate to most from affecting, I think of of Brother Holesclaw. I'm going to leave some out, but I remember him in our prayer group, sharing something about Jesus with us, be talking to us, 
and not even skip a beat, and you realize he's praying. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would be talking to us, and then all of a sudden he would go right into just talking to the Lord. And mm-hmm. That's Brother uh, Daryl? Brother Daryl Hall. Deb Garrow's dad? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brother Kemp, good grief. Uh, when I think of Philippians, when it says, Rejoice in the Lord, let your gentleness be evident to mm-hmm. all. I think of Brother Kemp, a uh, man with such wisdom and patience. Uh, just, just being around... Him, Herschel was there, my brother was there, there was many other, Roger Monroe, I, I leave some out, but I learned listening to them talk to Jesus, what it means to talk to Jesus, <laughs> Right. you know, so. Yeah, yeah that's uh, good. So, yeah, and, and I've had other mentors, I think of one of, one of my good friends and mentors, Randy Nichols, who mm-hmm. operates Mary United Ministries, he's, gee, my wife and I might be having an argument, and all of a sudden, Randy would come up the driveway. Hey, just stop by. I wanted to pray for you guys. I'm like, Coming to intervene. Talk about being in tune with the Spirit. I uh, love it. That's good. Okay, so Johnny, tell us, what's God currently teaching you, or where are you currently seeing His grace in your life? Okay. Uh, kind of a little bit, I won't go back, but... Go the, back, brother. Go back. Well, it's okay. Tell it all. Apart from apart from God saving me and you know redeeming my life, uh, the greatest gift He ever gave to me, and I shared back a little while ago about seeing the Bible and that's truth, and that's one thing God said in my mind uh, that 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 is truth. I mean, I don't I don't have I don't ever question anything that I know that He says in there that's true. I mean that that's where I find all truth. So so God's really been working on me as far as making sure that either I or anybody I'm around, we share the whole truth of the Scripture. You know, so many of us get wrapped up in uh, be it worship or, or taking the things of Scripture that we like, you know, and make us feel good or make our emotions feel good, but we forget there's a there's a whole a whole truth of scripture, and that entails trials, tribulations, uh, the Lord's discipline, and what I'm learning is that right now, currently, which God's really working on me is is trying to get rid of the selfishness and and thank you, Lord, for my wife who's not selfish, who's taught me how a little bit not to be selfish about things, but uh, that the let's say the hardships, the bad things we've been through, the trials, all those things, the things that we try to avoid the most, the things that we fight the hardest Mm -hmm. against are the very things that when you get through them that teach you joy. And and I refer back to Jesus, and it's it's Hebrews 12. I love the book of Hebrews where it said, you know, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. I mean, we know it wasn't any joy in all the suffering he went through, but what he went through, he could see the joy at the other side. Right. So so to persevere, and if we don't go through those things and come out the other side and trust God and let him show his faithfulness, then we never know faithfulness, right. you know? So mm-hmm. so I'm I'm really appreciating the things that I regretted or, 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 or complained against, uh, that God has taught me to make it through, you know, which is basically perseverance. Yes, that's good. 
That'll, that'll all preach right yes, there. Yes, it will. And it reminds me, like, one of my favorites is, I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. And we just picked that one out. But that whole context of that part of that chapter is that I can be content no matter what bad things I'm going through, right. you know. And exactly. so that's a perfect example of what you're saying of digging in to really know the truth to get the fullness of of, um, of God's work in our lives. Uh-huh. So thank you for that reminder. So many of those things, like you just said, he said, I have learned to be content, mm-hmm. you know discipline and things like that. I mean, I love it. It says no discipline seems pleasant at the time. <laughs> Amen. But mm-hmm. later on, it reaps a harvest of peace and righteousness right. for yeah. those who have been trained by uh-huh. it. you got to keep you know? going. Keep going. That's right. <laughs> yes. And then it goes on to say that through that, basically, we will be able to help others. Mm-hmm. I mean, it says, you know, it, if you read the end of that passage. But, yeah. But that's yeah. kind of what God's teaching me. Right that's now. good. Yeah. Words good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Johnny, you could preach. I'm telling you right don't now. Don't scare him. Don't no, scare him. No, don't no, run him off. Don't no. run him off. We'll get good. him back in this room, though. That was good. Yeah, that was, I mean, at least a devotional. Oh, there you go. <laughs> at least for sure. a devotional. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listeners, I don't know if you know this or not, but Johnny actually, um, he didn't tell this story on, on this time, but he was telling us before we got started here that um, about the time that he actually was told by the Lord to give a kidney to Herschel, who's a part of our church. Um, and so if you'll stay tuned after our little exit music here. We've got a little bit of that where we recorded him, and he's he's given us permission to go back. But the reason he didn't want it aired, um, but then he changed his mind, was he just wants it to point to Jesus and what he's doing. And I think that's that's awesome, and that's that's the way it should be. So thank you, Johnny. Yes, yeah, stay tuned after the out, outro music, and um, you'll hear a little bit more of his story. It's not that I don't like to talk about, you know, that what that happened. But, you know, when that when that happened, you know, as an early Christian, I, Herschel and Faye were the first ones to welcome me into church, basically, after my mom died, you know, just treating me like they were my parents, you know. Yeah. So uh, when we, the men's prayer group had started, and that, that was part of what I wanted to say about, in the I guess, in the testimony, that's, that's where I learned to pray from those men. So, mm, that's good. Uh, you know, knowing Herschel like I did, he has shared that he might have to go on dialysis and all that. So, you know, just brand new Christian, single, didn't have a care in the world, you know, loved the Lord at that time as much as I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a long way to go. You know, I, I, I threw out the comment and I meant it. I said, Herschel, if you ever need a kidney, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, just throwing that comment out there. Well, years went by, six or seven years went wow. by. And then um, it came. He was going to have to go on dialysis, you know, and he was, he knew he was going to either go on dialysis and get a kidney. But the thing about Herschel, he never never prayed that any of that would go away. You know, if you knew Herschel, he only prayed that he would have patience, that he would have a good attitude, and, you know, be able to deal with it. He didn't pray specifically to get a kidney. Now, we did. (laughs) But uh, so when uh, when that time came, you know, uh, I was was married, had been married at that time. Uh, Dottie and I got married, and uh, he had mentioned that he needed a kidney, and, and I remembered what I said. And I was like, wow, okay, time has come. I think a little more about it now, you know. But, you know, I felt like the Lord had told me, you know, it was the right thing to do. And the Lord had told me, and that's the thing, the Lord had told me, believe me, it has nothing to do with me. But, uh, so did you even know you would be a match at that point? No, no, at that, at that, at that point, yeah, that's what I was, I was fixing it. You know, he shared that uh, he didn't ask, say anything to me about what I'd said. Mm-hmm. He just said that they're, you know, if you know anybody, if they're interested, they'll do tests up at uh, Centennial. Well, it was, yes, Centennial at the time. So that's what I was going to do. And then within a day or two, somebody had stepped forward and 
was on stage and said, I'm going to give Herschel a kidney. And I'm like, wow, I must have missed that. You know, I, w- I wasn't sad. You know, I was like, Lord, I kind of thought I was the one that was supposed to do it. So then that fell through. So, you know, I didn't tell anybody other than Dottie, you know, and I went up and I went through the test. It took about a week, you know. I went about three days of different tests and stuff, and every time I did, they came back and said, looks almost perfect match, you know. So <laughs> so during that time, I'm like, hmm, this is getting closer to being a reality. So, uh, and I'm like, am I sure? Am I, Lord, am I sure? Are you sure I'm supposed to do this now? <laughs> I need extra confirmation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, so... I could read numbers, and there was an affirmation in there <laughs> that somehow I was supposed to give that kidney. But then it really came down to it, and um, uh, I'm like, Lord, I guess I was having second thoughts, and I said, Lord, you know, I'm married now, and I've got a wife, and she has kids, and I've got other family. What if they need a kidney? <laughs> and I've given this one away. And he spoke just as clear as he could to me. He said, you just trust me to take care of them. And, I mean, he basically said i want you to do it yeah that's awesome that's powerful. <laughs> so i didn't have to think long but the reason i, I said all that to say why i don't, didn't talk about it is uh and the moment i said yes i mean i was like yeah i'm gonna do this i'll do this lord mm-hmm. it was for three days i didn't tell anybody it yeah. was it was the most closest i've ever been to the lord in my life mm. you know it's <laughs> just me and him you yeah know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh I hated to tell people for the sheer fact for exactly what happened. Yeah. Oh, you're the greatest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you're doing this. We <laughs> love you so much. Nobody else could do this, this, and that. And it just started to dwindle. That part started to dwindle away. I knew that was coming, but it didn't take away from the fact. I never, I had, I had never had a doubt. I never had peace. I didn't worry about any of the surgery. I didn't worry about anything going under. I was, if I died, I was happy as I could be. Yeah. And uh, never had any troubles mm-hmm. or anything. So, yeah. you know, that's really the reason. It's not that I don't want to share it. Sure. But the I guess I said all that to say Herschel was the only one that understood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would talk about me, but even when he and I talked about it, he would always say, I know God did this. Yeah. You know? Right. And Credit I where credit's that. due. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Good. Awesome. Because you never want it. I've spent been studying recently on testimony. It's just like John the Baptist, he must increase, I must decrease. Mm-hmm. Testimonies should never point to us. That's right. That's <laughs> what should we, always yeah. point to Jesus. So. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Amen. All right, I'm glad I got that out of the way. Now maybe I won't get it. Awesome. <laughs>